0: or really the presence of God. It's the manifested presence of God that we as individuals can experience. And oftentimes we try to really uh, super spiritualize that or make it something that really God never intended it to be. Meaning that Uh, It's something that we can only experience if we're just spiritually mature or maybe certain people can. But God wants everybody to to be able to experience His presence. And so many times we overlook just what God is doing or how He's revealing Himself. For instance, i just talking with a couple of you guys in this past week. uh, Some I think this past Sunday, maybe the past Wednesday, I can't remember. But just for the sake of using some of those stories, uh, I know last Sunday we talked about uh, uh, whatever we worship. You'll become obsessed with. And one individual came up to me afterwards and said, you know, just as I've been purposing to seek God, that's really where my heart has become. Where I'm just becoming obsessed with God or where I desire to be pleasing to God and follow after God. Well, why is that changing on the inside of an individual that says, you know, I hadn't been so faithful in the years prior, but now something's changed. I just want to know God and I just want to follow God. What's that cause from? It's really the glory of God or the power of God or the anointing of God that begins to draw people closer. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was talking with another gentleman. Uh, I, again, I think it was that Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday. But he was talking about being at work. And while he was at work, he said this salesman, he's a, he's a mechanic uh, guy, works with his hands, working in the garage. And he said this salesman came in. And he said just out of the blue, this salesman says to him, he says, coming soon and this guy says yeah he is and then the boss heard him say what are you talking about who's coming soon and the salesman said jesus and i guess the boss was like oh dear god here we go again." (laughs) you know that that jesus talk well he started talking about this salesman as they're conversing and talking he says that the salesman is beginning to just share his heart and talk about just how uh the scripture lines up with end time events and prophecy and just the things that are taking place right now. And he says, as I'm listening to him, he says, man, I am just. Oh, like this is just so awesome. Well, what was that? Why was he hanging on, on the words of that individual talking about the word of God? He said, man, I just got goosebumps as I begin to hear him talk. And he said, the boss would say, hey, come on, I got a truck I need you to work on. He's like, hang on, wait a minute, I just want to hear about this. Well, why was he so eager to hear or have this conversation? It's the glory of God that shows up and causes people to be hungry to say, oh, there's just something about what is being said right now. And even where he said, uh, uh, I got goosebumps hearing what he was talking about. What's the goosebump? Is it just, you know, I, 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 a cold draft came in, whoo, I got cold. That goosebump is really all of a sudden the awareness of the Holy Spirit, and he's interacting in the conversation. You're like, whoo, whoa. Well, what is that? It's the natural man having an encounter with God because we're starting to talk about God, and when we start talking about God, God shows up. Are you seeing that? And so, like I said, so many times we over-spiritualize the glory of God or what it's to look like or what it's to feel like, but God really generally wants us to begin to experience Him. And when we start talking about Him, He just likes to show up. Amen. Amen. When you start praising God, He just likes to show up. And His presence becomes real in our life. And like I said, when you, I've said this, I think I said this last Wednesday, and the Lord kind of checked me on it, and I, and I, even talking about it now, it's one of those things where it's like, God, do I really have to say that? But I think it's important for us to understand, because I've often said this, and you've got to weigh it out with balance, but I've often said this, that what I'm talking about is not to be spooky, kooky, or weird. And you realize that God isn't weird, and God is not spooky, and God is not kooky, right? But think about it for a moment. When God shows up and does some things, sometimes it just messes with your head, doesn't it? And you might say, that's weird. Well, why is it weird? Because you've never seen something like that before. For instance, look at Jesus. You think about Jesus where he was ministering to this guy that had no eyes. So he kneels down, he spits in the mud, he makes a little mud ball, and he puts it in the guy's eye, and all of a sudden, eyes... Show up or form and the man can see. That is pretty weird. Right? I dread the day that God ever calls me into spit mud, mud pie ministry. You know what I mean? (laughs) But that would be weird, wouldn't it? And think about the people that were seeing him. They'd be like, I've never seen anything like that before. But what do they see? They see the results of what happened. So you cannot deny the results of something that you've never been familiar with before. It's like, I've I've never seen that in church before, right? Or think about Jesus. You know, the man couldn't talk. He couldn't speak. And so Jesus spits, open up, and puts it on his tongue. I mean, how gross, how weird and disgusting. Come on. But what was the result? The man's tongue was loosed and he began to speak. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we've got to be careful in putting God in this box that when God shows up, sometimes it's just like, I've never seen that happen before. You know what I mean? And so like just even as we were sitting here worshiping and and that last song was like, God, you're a good, good God. I began to think about just how when God shows up, sometimes it just messes with your, 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 your thinking or your head. And I remember when I went to Bible college. And I've shared this story with you before, but again, it goes to show or just to express that I've never seen that before. That I've never felt that before, and, but it was God. And so it was actually, I think, either the first week before I had started school or maybe, maybe it was the week that I did start school. I can't remember, either week before or week during, whatever. But I'm in church that particular Sunday. I remember I've told you that Rhema Bible Church is right around 7500 people or it was about that time. And so I'm in the upper balcony. I mean, I am up high in the nosebleed section and the platform's way down there. And there's this gentleman on the front row by the name of Bernie and Pastor Hagen calls him up and and Bernie's laughing. And so he asked Bernie, he says, what's going on with you? Because you think, some goofball's laughing. What are you laughing about? It's church service. It's time to be all holy, right? But he's laughing. And he says, what's going on with you, Bernie? And Bernie says, you know, my wife has been diagnosed with cancer. We went to the doctor this past week, and they were telling us what it was going to take and the thousands of dollars that it was going to take for this particular procedure. In fact, it was like twenty-some thousand dollars that this procedure was going to take. And he says, and I didn't have the money. And he says, the devil kept telling me, what are you going to do, Bernie? And he said, I just got, got to laughing because it wasn't nothing that I could do, nothing that I can do. And therefore, it's like, well, I don't have to do anything, devil. God's going to take care of it. And he said, I just began to laugh. And then the devil would ask me again, what are you laughing at, Bernie? You know you don't have that money. He said, I just began to laugh again. And as he's telling this story, he's laughing hysterically and almost unable to tell the story. And as he's telling the story, the power of God comes on him. He falls down on the platform, just laying there. All of a sudden, this guy starts running from the back of the church, gets up to the platform, and throws money on the platform. And it initiates a move of God to where people just start flocking the, 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 the platform and start throwing on money. And Bernie was a very large man. He was heavy. And there was so much money thrown up on the platform that you could no longer see Bernie on the platform. They collected all the money, they took up the money, and they counted the money. It was $29,000 that came in in the matter of seconds. It was a move of God. It was the showing up of the glory of God, and God met the need. Now, that was pretty weird to me. One, seeing somebody laugh like that. Two, seeing people throw money in church. Three, that much money coming in at one time. But what struck me next was something that was even weirder yet, is that I was so moved Because it was just a move of God in that moment. I started jumping and dancing and just glorifying and worshiping God in that moment. Almost uncontrollably because I was so overwhelmed by the goodness and the glory of God. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never done that before. I'm acting like a wild, crazy man. But it was because of the glory of God. My point is this, is that when God shows up. When the glory of God shows up, let's not put them in a box and say, well, God, don't do that. Because it just may mess with your head a little bit. You know what I mean? I said it just might mess with your head. And we've got a purpose to say, God, I'm open and available to just see you move the way that you want to move. And, you know, let me just give you a heads up. Oftentimes, God moves entirely different than you desire him to. Because many times we're praying and saying, God, I want it like this. And if you do it like this, in fact, if you'll just use so-and-so to do it this way, it would be perfect. And so we start praying a certain way. And then God shows up and does it totally backwards to what we thought. But it was like God and nobody else could have even done it the way God did it. But he answered my prayer. And it's just like, I just want to show you that I can handle it. Don't need your help. But I can do it bigger and better than you can even think. Right? right? That's just the way God does. And so I want us to keep looking at this and really just purposing to have an expectation that God will show up. And as I said last week, there's coming a time and we're stepping into it. Just as you heard Jordan exhorting at the end, God rained down on us. God's reigning His Spirit in His glory right now. It's in a... Portion, It's in a measure. It's sprinkling here and there. We feel it here and there. But there is a season that is coming and that we're stepping into where God is going to be so big in the church that people are going to be flocking the church because God's in there. Amen? Amen. I want us to begin to really have that expectation. It's so easy to get kind of like that tunnel vision and say, well, here's Wednesday night. Here's what it looks like. And it's just us. And well, praise the Lord. It's been good. But, you know, it's just kind of a small crowd. Let's begin to get out of the rut of what we've always seen or expected and say, God, I'm expecting more. I'm expecting God to to do bigger and better. And when we start to see that, it's going to begin to grow and it's going to be like wildfire. Amen. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And there's something very significant about the way that John writes. Obviously, it's the last gospel as far as the order in our Bibles. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John writes entirely different about Jesus. All the other writings kind of give a historical course of events that have taken place. But John writes it from a personal standpoint of who Jesus is, how he did what he did, and why he did what he did. And I believe it's really because of the relationship that he had with Jesus. Do you remember? Jesus says that, that he had 12 disciples. But there was one point in time that he took three. It was Peter, James, and John. And I believe it was John that put his, head, put his head on the chest of Jesus. And if you remember at the, very, uh, 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 at the end of the Gospels where they went to find Jesus. And they couldn't find him in the tomb. Well, in John's writing, he makes note. He wants it to be very clear that I outran Peter. Yeah. Why? Because he must have had a close relationship with Jesus that was entirely different than the rest of them. And from this vantage point, he writes very distinctly about who Jesus was and really concerning the glory that was in demonstration of who Jesus was. So in John chapter chapter 1, I want us just to begin here. Let me get there myself. I'm in Luke. John chapter 1, starting in verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's speaking of the born-again experience or the, the receiving of Christ. Verse 14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, so that we're grace's power, really translated His power, and truth. Notice it says, once we have received Him as our Lord and Savior, because He was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, His presence, His power, the anointing that was on Him. Now, that verse is really twofold because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word. And it says that the Word, being Jesus, was made flesh. And being that we... He was made flesh. We beheld his anointing, his power, or the presence of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. But here's the thing. The word of God can be made flesh or become manifested, naturally speaking. From the standpoint of the Bible says that the word of God says that by his stripes we are healed. Therefore, that word can become flesh or becomes real in our lives. And therefore, when it shows up, we see or we behold His glory or His power. For example, I, I, I had mentioned to you before, You again, you've heard me say this, that when our son was born, they brought him in and says, We have done a hearing test on him. The one ear is clear and has hearing. The other does not. We'll run another test in the morning. Well, I laid him on my legs or on my lap as I was sitting there in the chair. And I said, well, this is what the doctor says. But the word of God says that by his stripes we're healed. We are the healed of the Lord. We can receive healing now. And so as he's laying there on my lap, just a matter of a few hours old, I put my hands on his ears. I said, in the name of Jesus, your word says, therefore, I command these ears to be open in the name of Jesus. You will hear. The next day they came in and said, well, we took the test. He hears perfect. Why? Because the word was manifested, or I should say the glory was manifested through his word and it became flesh. What was the flesh side? His ears lined up. It showed up in the flesh or the natural sign of life. Now that could be financially speaking. I'm trusting God. Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all of his needs according to his riches in glory. God, your word shall become flesh, and I'll behold your glory or your power. So what does that mean? I'm standing on the word that these bills are paid. Increase is coming in Jesus' name. I'm a tither and a giver. Therefore, devil, take your hands off of my stuff. And I can begin to expect that the word is made flesh. And somehow, way, God's making the supply come into my life and manifest, or I will behold or see His glory. Are you seeing that? And so God wants us to experience that. So let's turn over to uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I'm going to read this portion first, and then I'm going to come back and elaborate just a little bit on the story. In John chapter 2, starting in verse 10, it says, And he said to him, Every man of Uh, uh, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then then the inferior sets out the junk stuff. And then you have kept, but you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11 says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Manifest, the word manifest means to make an appearance, a demonstration or a showing forth or a showing up. So this particular story, it is the story of Jesus's first miracle. Now, if you know the story, the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. And his mother, Mary, came to him and says, Jesus, they're out of wine. Now, the way I understand it, the way that the culture was back in the old days, is that the good wine was really the wine that was not fermented. And as they started to drink, they brought out the lesser stuff that had been sitting around, more fermented. And then, therefore, the more fermented stuff. And then it's at the end, people just didn't care because they were drinking the fermented stuff. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so she comes to Jesus and she says, we're out of wine. And he says, woman, what does this matter have to do with me? It's not my time. In other words, what he was saying, it's not time right now for the glory or my power or the anointing on my life or my ministry to begin. But then she turns after Jesus says that there is no dialogue between the two of them. Mary turns from Jesus and turns to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Right? Then he says, okay. Okay. Go get some pots of water and then serve the master of the feast, the water. Now, I don't know about you, but it's really the it, we've got to be able to see between the lines here. Because one, if these servants are serving the master of the feast, they don't want to make a mistake, right? And so if Mary's just there saying, "Will you go get some water or do what he says to do. And so this weirdo says, go get some water. I thought we were talking about wine. Let's go get some water. All right, who are you and why am I going to listen to you? I'm not going to listen to you because I don't want to get in trouble. So as we begin to zoom out of this picture, Mary obviously had to have some position of authority in this wedding. Or maybe she was the wedding coordinator. I don't know, but she obviously had some kind of position for her to speak to the servants of this other man and say what Jesus says to do, you do it. And obviously they did it, and had she not had that authority, they wouldn't have. Are you tracking with me? All right? So when he says, all right, because of your word, or because you've spoken and given me permission, go get water and serve it to the master. And the Bible says that they did, and the water was turned into wine. And he says, you've saved the best for last. Did you realize that when God manifests His glory, when it shows up in the natural, it's not the inferior, it's not second best, it's the best. How many times do we go to God and say, God, I want you to show up, I want you to move, I want to see your glory, I want you to get involved in my life. But if you'll just do this, God, I'll settle for this, God. We shortchange ourselves because we don't want to bother god or in be an imposition or maybe god will get mad at me no god says when he does something he does the best so it's okay for you to say god i'm expecting the best stop shortchanging yourself or really just shortchanging god and say god you do it better than i could do it so i'm asking you to do the best thing that (laughs) you do it the best way so do it the way you do it right and so what happened she gave permission God still needs our permission to get involved in your life. You're the one that has the authority to allow God to move. And the moment you act on or give permission to the word. Remember, Jesus was the word that was made flesh. So when you say, okay, Jesus, I give you or the word of God. I give the word of God permission to work in my life. And giving that command saying, do what it says. The Bible says Jesus manifested his glory. My point is this. Is that God wants to manifest, show up, display his power, his presence, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness to all of us. He's just waiting for us to give give him permission. Why do you think there's so many dead churches Because God has never given permission to move in their church. Well, let's come in and let's have our format. Let's stand up, sit down, let's kneel, let's do whatever. Let's have the tradition of man and keep God out. But call it God. And that could be anything. Whether it's your church, whether it's your life, whatever. God is wanting us to give him permission to allow it or allow us to behold his glory in our lives. All right, continuing along these lines, in John chapter 4, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. This particular passage doesn't refer to the glory of God, but as we see parallel scriptures and see scriptures that are really connected or tied together, speaking of The the power of God, the working of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, they begin to connect. For instance, in John chapter 10, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That word life is in the Greek called zoe or the God kind of life. So all of a sudden we start seeing okay, this is not just human life. This isn't just natural life. This is the God kind of glory life. Right? The Bible says in John 6, 63, it says that the word of God is spirit and it's life. Speaking to that same kind of life, the glory of God, the presence, the power of God, who he is invested in that life. And so... All that being said, as we begin to see here, in verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, A woman of Samaria came and drawn uh, to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Again, you remember, Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. They were kind of the underclassmen. He says, but you ask of me for a drink, for Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Then it goes on to say in verse 13, and Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will never thirst, or will thirst again. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst, but this water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up as everlasting life. Amen. Awesome. So, what's it talking about? It's talking about this glory, this presence, this power, this life of God, this anointing that God wants to reveal. Did you notice how Jesus said this was available? He said, ask me. Remember, he was the word and the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory. So he says, if you ask me the word, the word will be made flesh and you'll behold my glory. So what is it that's causing us not to experience it? Number one, just ignorance, not knowing that it's available or that God wants us to experience him in a real way. Secondly, the lack of asking. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. How many things God is wanting us to do but we don't know, first of all, that we can't ask. Or secondly, we just don't. I want to experience God. I want to know Him. I want to experience Him in a real tangible way. Now here's... When we talk about this, it's important for us to to understand some things because it's real easy as we begin to talk about this that we start to say, well, am I supposed to desire an experience, a feeling? No, God never desires for you to desire the experience or the feeling. He desires you to desire Him, and the feeling shows up. Because if we're not careful, we begin to look to church as... Though it's just an experience and we get caught up all in the experiences and therefore we never have stability. We ended up actually getting flaky because all we want is experiences and never follow after him, the word of God to have stability in our life. And we're moved from one feeling to the next. And well, bless God, I guess we haven't had a feeling in our church in a little while. I guess I need to go down to the next church that has some feelings where I can feel something. Does that make sense? And you might think, well, that's just silly. It happens all the time. I said it happens all the time. In fact, there's one particular gentleman. He's not been here at the church for, oh gosh, quite some time. But in our first church and this church here, he would come and go from time to time. And when he was here, in fact, here here's the very first church service that he ever attended at our very first church. I didn't even see him back here, didn't even know that he was there. But in the midst of the service, I said, somebody has a hernia, and God wants you to know he's healing that hernia right now. I'm like, well, I just know what God told me to say, so I said it. I got a call at home that day, and it was this guy. He says, I came to your church today. He said, I want you to know I was that guy with the hernia, and I was healed. It's all gone. The bulge was gone. It's it's done. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Well, he started coming to my church because he had an experience. Well, obviously, God wants to whet your appetite, and sometimes when you see those things, it's like, hey, you're in the right church. God's moving there, but all of a sudden, the warm fuzzies and the feelings and the woohoo and the goosebumps didn't necessarily happen to every service, and he's like, well, what's going on? Well, what do you mean what's going on? Well, it's not like it was. Well, why don't you just get plugged in and you'll find that the, the goosebumps come back because God wants you to give a supply rather than always. He wants you to be a contributor rather than a consumer. Right. He wants you to be a a a, a uh, participator rather than a spectator. Well, he just couldn't get that. Well, then all of a sudden you hear about this church or having some. Well, he go over there. He since he's been at this church, I probably I dare. He's probably been to eight different churches. Because he's wanting to experience the fuzzy, the feel good. Those come when you seek God's face. But if all you do is seek His hand, you'll miss Him. He says, if you'll seek my face for who I am, not what I can do, I'll show you what I can do, but just seek my face. And you'll experience the glory. Amen? All right, so, in John chapter... We just read there in verse uh, chapter 4, rather. Go ahead and go to John chapter 11. Once again, did you notice that Jesus said, if you knew who it was that you were speaking to, you would ask to receive. So is it okay to say, God, we want to experience your glory? Absolutely. Do you remember... Uh, Moses when he was uh, seeking God and he says to God, he says God show me your glory. Do you remember that? And God says, well no man has seen my face. He says but let me cover you up for just a minute. Put him in the cleft of the rock. Put his hand over him. And then when he released his hand, the Bible says that Moses saw his hinder parts or saw the back of God. But in that he saw god's glory so is it okay for us to seek god's glory yes i want god's glory to show up i want god's glory to show up and just mess you up you know what i mean because i know all of us have some areas of tradition and religion and just whatever some of us are wound up a little tighter than others man you just need god to let your hair down you know what i mean You just need a perm, and God's going to just stick your finger in the God light socket. (laughs) You know. (laughs) God wants us to experience him. And he says, If you would ask of me, you would receive from me. So I'm purposing and desiring to see God show up. Amen? Amen. All right, John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 4. Once again, this is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus uh, had died. But in verse 4, it says, when Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I wanted to point something out here because oftentimes we read scripture and we misinterpret it based on how it was written. It says, this thing or this sickness that has taken place was, was not unto death but for the glory of God. So some have taken that and said, well, some sickness glorifies God. Have you ever heard that before? I'm sure we all have. But if we begin to look at the text and the context of how the actual writing is and the translation of it, what it's simply saying is that this is not unto death, but this is an opportunity for the glory of God to be demonstrated. Right? Whenever you have sickness in your body, God's not saying, I'm getting glorified with that. All my kids are sick. Praise the Lord or praise me. Right? No. But there's always opportunity that the enemy is going to try to bring stuff in your life. And for the glory of God, the glory of God can come and straighten that situation out. Come on, have you ever had things going on in your marriage, in your finances, in your physical health? Sure. Well, I would rather much... Have God's glory show up and fix that in a way that I can never figure it out rather than me trying to figure it out and trying to toil with it and having sleepless nights and thinking, dear God, how is this ever going to come to a happy ending? Let's just get God's glory to show up. Amen. Amen. And so once again, it says that this is an opportunity for the glory of God to show up. And if you remember in in verse 40, when Mary, his brother, Lazarus, brother was saying, if you'd only showed up, he would live. He said, didn't I tell you this wasn't unto death? But God's glory is going to be manifested here. He says, did I not tell you if you would believe you would see the glory? Remember, we said that the glory is tangible. It's seeable, visible. It shows up. And how did the glory become flesh? How was it manifested? Jesus, the word, said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Word became flesh, and the glory was beheld by all when Lazarus got out of the grave and came back to life. What do we need to come back to life? Maybe it's your confidence, your hope, your faith in God. God says, "Well, let me just zap you with my glory, and you'll get so hungry, you'll get so on fire for me. You want to see your marriage turn around? Your finances? let me just let me just send my glory right now, my power, my presence, my anointing." And see it turn around. Amen? Amen. The last one that I want to bring your attention to. Is Hebrews chapter 2. You doing okay? We'll finish up here. Hebrews chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. It says. Therefore we must give the more earnestly heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and even transgression and disobedience received a just reward. So let's stop for a moment. Notice it says this. If we give more earnest heed to what we've heard, and then it talks about, you know, angel of the Lord came and delivered a word from God. Well, if it's, a, if it's an angel that's delivering a word from God, it's still the word of God, right? And notice it says to take heed To the Word, lest we drift away. Why are so many churches lacking the glory? Because they've no longer adhered of or have adhered to. Is that the right way of saying it? To the Word, and they've allowed themselves to drift away. The Bible talks about people becoming lukewarm, stagnant Christians, no longer having an expectation. Right. Then it goes on to say this, verse three. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard it? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So notice what it says. There are signs, wonders and miracles. That are on display. Verse 5 says, For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testifies in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. The word angel, if you remember, we said actually is defined in the Greek as Elohim or God. So in other words, God says, I've not put you under angels. I've made you just a little lower than me. Alright, and then it goes on to say, It says, You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have set him over the works of your hands, and you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all uh, in subjection under him, and left nothing that is not to be put under him. But now we do not yet see all the things that are put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little, a little bit lower than the angels, for he suffered of for for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Now in verse 10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom all things are created in bringing many sons to glory to make to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So notice what it says, through Jesus suffering, he brought us together with him and those of us that have received Christ or receive salvation have become sons of God. And did you notice it says that he has brought his sons into glory. Meaning that if you're a Christian. God's presence, God's glory, God's power, God's anointing is not being withheld from you. It's part of what God desires to give you. And so if we're children of God, if we're sons of God. And when that, that term sons is referring to both men and women. Sons of God. The glory of God is available. Meaning God wants us to experience Him in a real, tangible way. That when we pray, our conversation with Him is real. God shows up. I mentioned to you just that that example of that guy that was in the mechanics studio. Studio or garage, whatever you call it. A son of God talking with another son of God. As they talked about the God of glory, talked about his word, the sons of God began to experience the glory. And he's like, wow, I felt it, man, just as we're talking. I got goosebumps and I didn't want to stop talking because it was so good. Are you getting it this morning or this morning, this evening? I'll get it right one way or another. God wants us to experience him. God wants our marriages to experience the glory, his presence. God wants our church to experience it. Our kids. He wants us to experience the realness of who God is. Amen. And that's what's taking place more and more here at GVC. The more we expect it, the more it shows up. That's why Wednesday night you're going to continue to see the crowd get bigger and bigger. Don't care what it looks like right now. We're going to see His glory. Amen. Let's stand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. We thank you that, God, just as we begin to learn about your glory, that your glory can be manifested in our life, that it can have a showing forth, it can show up, it can demonstrate, it can be revealed in our lives. And, God, you said that you want to perform miracle signs and wonders. Lord, signs in our life that would just leave those that see it in awe and say that's truly a sign from God. To see miracles show up, Lord, when it seems that there's no way, there's no way of escape, there's no way of an answer. But God, you show up like you only can and that it's made manifest through miracles. And God, we thank you for the wonders that just make our head go tilt. That cause us to scratch our head in wonder and say, God, you are so bigger than I can even begin to imagine. So, God, we just say we want it. We want more of you. We want you to be real. We want your presence to be here as we seek your face. You will manifest your glory. And your glory and your word will be made flesh in every aspect of our lives. We thank you in advance because we expect it. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.